0: Welcome back to another amazing episode of The Culture of Safety. How's it going, Matt? Good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day.
1: A little early. It's but... a little early
0: today. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I apologize. I have had a change in schedule, and so now we have to do this early in the mornings instead of in the afternoons after we've had a, a nice full day. But it's, it's good. I'm having, I'm having fun. We're up and at them. We're ready to go. So um, today we've made the transition from entry level to that mid-level oh, management. God, thank
1: you so much. <laughs> I
0: know, right? Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love helping out my newbies, but you know, I, I feel like sometimes after, you know, 10, 15 episodes of helping one person, like, okay, let's, let's move it up a little bit, you know? And then I think after we get into management, we'll go in and move, we'll kind of move around again a little bit more. And, and we have a bunch of really great topics coming up for you guys. A lot of, a lot of good content. I'm working on trying to get somebody into the, well, not into the studio, uh because this individual lives in canada but hopefully maybe getting some some new guests in here uh maybe elon musk um god dang I, I'm, I'm, that's not gonna happen <laughs> that's not gonna ever happen he, maybe i mean he was on snl never so. say never yeah, i know right um but yeah we got a lot of good content coming out for you guys um i apologize last week i was really uh really excited i was like all right i'm gonna post today and i'm i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna have this whole thing i put a couple of things together and then i posted it on the wrong instagram so what did yeah. you post it on? Your personal? Your well, it's, it's like my personal one. There's not the
1: popular safety guy. Yeah, and, and there's the popular, popular safety guys
0: guy. plural. And yeah, I didn't put it on that one. So. Wow. Just repost it on both. Sorry. What I need to do, I need to just get rid of the other one and then just post it on the, the popular safety guys. So, yeah. That's pretty lame. Or maybe I'll just change it to the popular safety guy and Matt. <laughs> now that's true. And Matt. <laughs> and Matt. Those are like Emu, Limu, Emu, and Doug. I don't know what that is. You don't watch any TV? The emu, the, I don't even know what, what, um, the commercial. It's like the emu and he walks around and he's selling car insurance. Aflac? That's a duck. (laughs) Actually. An emu is quite larger than a duck.
1: I honestly have no clue what you're talking
0: about. You have no idea what I'm talking about? Man, you don't pay attention for anything. I definitely don't watch commercials. Liberty Mutual? No? I thought that was the guy that says,
1: are you in good hands? Uh, that's all state. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. I'm just confusing them all. <laughs> that's all right. Nobody. I mean, most people don't really change insurances uh, until there's like, until you're like, holy cow. Like, why am I spending so much money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my parents just, I know this is kind of in a danger, but I remember my parents were with uh, like farmers for more than 30 years, more than 30 years. And they were paying like 1100 bucks or something like that. For their for their insurance and they went with a new one it was like 200 bucks i was like dang imagine how much money you would have saved a year Over 30 years yeah it would have been insane um so today's episode we're going to be talking about decisions how to make good decisions you know especially when you're in that mid-level you know um management area supervisors safety advisors whatever it is you're gonna to have to start making good sound decisions and it's very important to understand what Space, your, what headspace you're in. Sometimes you can get a little bit too focused on the details. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's it's hard to take out the irrelevant materials out of a decision. And I'm sure you, Matt, and I as well have made thousands of decisions over our career. But oftentimes you see new decision makers make the wrong decision, or they think you know their 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 mindset isn't in the right way to where they're making a clear decision or sometimes even worse that they don't make decisions at all i'm, I'm sure Honestly, you've seen that plenty of i was times. gonna
1: say that's usually the problem i see most is they're so afraid yeah to make a decision that they delay or that they just go around asking everybody else's opinion <laughs> or they just they just try to avoid it because they're they're so afraid to make the wrong decision that they'd rather make no decision, which in fact usually ends up turning out to be the wrong decision. Right. Yeah. Decision. It's
0: usually the wrong decision not to make a decision or, or it's even worse if you, especially if you're at a lower level, you know, you have, you, you send a decision up to somebody and they're like, okay, well I need to make a decision on this and they take forever. And so that's one of the things that I've had to deal with is learning how to teach people how to make good decisions. Okay. Well, you know, learn how to step back from things and look at the big picture and, and, and try to, you know, figure out um, what's good for the, the individual. Right. So who's, who's the context. So I'll give you like a perfect example. Um, we have a customer, whatever your customer is, always put your customer first, right. As we're looking at, you know, when I was in oil and gas, my customer wanted X, Y, Z, they had a clear expectations, use those expectations to kind of help guide you in those in those ways. I had a decision where we had to um, change a program, right? Okay, well, we need to um, increase our heat index, or we need to lower our uh, heat index. Do we let them wear, you know, high-vis vests, all this kind of stuff. And my customer goes, well, I want to get rid of these high-vis vests because it's increasing, increasing the heat and da-da-da-da-da. And so they gave me the decision, okay, well, I need you to go and do the research. I need you to go and make a decision on, on if this is all good or not. So what I did is I I went through, I went through both OSHA. I went through all my industrial hygiene books and I looked and I did all these crazy calculations and they, they tell you, okay, well, this type of material has this type of heat index. And if you have this, this, and this, and it came down to the decision, like, okay, well, are we going to wear them or are we not? The customer made clear expectations that they didn't want them anymore, but with all the research that we had done, it showed that it was not gonna be beneficial, right? We give them plenty of breaks. We give them plenty of rest, water, hydration. The fact that they're wearing one more layer of clothing is really not impactful enough for us to be like, okay, well, there's no, no point in, in wearing this. So even though it went against what the customer wanted, what we did is we provided them ample material saying, look, we've did a lot of research. Here's all the numbers. Here's how we came to those numbers we broke it down to them because we knew it wasn't going to be a very popular decision, but we still had our customer in mind. Like, Hey, what is it that they want? What is it that they expected? And if we're not able to meet those expectations, how are we going to be able to break the news to them? Right. Cause that could be, that could be hard sometimes. Sometimes you're going to make unpopular decisions, but one of the things that I've learned is as long as you can explain the why behind it and you use sound logic, most of the time, most of the time, unless you get a Karen, Most of the time, they're going to be very, they're going to be okay with it. They're like, yeah, well, I'm not happy with the decision, but at least I understand why it's that way. And then again, every once in a while, you'll get a care and they're like, I don't care. You need to change it. I'm like, well, now I can't help you because now you're being irrational and you're injecting your emotions into whatever the situation was. So for this particular one, again, uh, the individual came up to me, hey, you know, I noticed that your people are wearing Hibis vests um, around the cranes. I said, okay, no, I understand. Um... That was a task. Give it to me. They wanted me to change it. Okay, go look through the policies. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I couldn't change it anyway because it was their policy to have it. But I said, look, I did my due diligence. I went and I looked up all the the, the formulas. I looked. I even showed. Them, look, these are the books I use. Here's the formulas inside the books. This is how we put it. Da da da. You agree with that? Yeah, I completely agree with those numbers. At the end of the day, there was there's not much of a difference between wearing you know a high vis vest and not wearing a high vis vest in you know 105 degree weather. The way we managed it was the way we had done before. We're giving them plenty of breaks. We're going to give them hydration. We're going to make sure that no matter what they're wearing, they're still going to have their breaks in order for them to, you know, not get overheated. So at the end of the day, when we we brought this to the customer, they were very unhappy, but they understood to say, look, if you want us to change it, we can change it. But in order for us to change it in the first place, you have to change your policies. Because at the end of the day, if somebody comes out there and they go, how come your people aren't wearing hives vis vests? We're like, oh, well, because we changed it because of this. Well, it's policy. You need to change the policy first before we can change our policy. So take a, take a step back. Look at your customer. What does your customer want? What, is your, what does your customer expect? And, and what's the best solution, right? It's not always going to work in their favor, right? If you've ever been a customer, you know that. But always have their best interest in mind. What about you, Matt? What, how, what are some ways that you learned to make better decisions? So unfortunately, or maybe
1: fortunately, for some reason, a lot of the people that I've worked for in the past, my managers, they will intentionally. So I think I think probably what I did at first is I did exactly what I just told you. I don't like when people do, which is that you're scared to make a decision. Right? Yeah, that's that's a big one fear. And so I would always what would I do? Call my manager. Oh. Immediately. I'm calling my manager. You're one of those guys. Like if it's something crazy that well, I, yeah, it's gonna I mean. it's gonna impact a, a, it's gonna impact the employee, it's gonna impact the company, it's gonna impact the customer. If it hits those three things, I would normally call my manager. So you wouldn't
0: just call like, hey Matt, we need you to uh pick this or this, and you're like, oh I'm gonna call like five people. I have had people like that. That's not
1: what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, m- much more serious situations, okay. usually. But uh I would have managers that would intentionally like they would hear about it and then they wouldn't answer the phone. <gasps> yeah and then they would be like uh um, you know they're calling you for that reason they know, they know no, and, they'd like, that. and then afterwards they would be like yeah like w- i just wanted you to figure it out on your own like just handle it yourself because eventually i'm not going to be here you're going to be here like you're going to be the only one you just got to figure it out anyway well, yeah
0: sink or swim so it would be yeah. i got
1: a lot of i had a lot of sink or sim- swim situations and um yeah and and that i think that's what taught me that one you're not always going to make the right decision no right? but at least kind of like, kind of like what you said, like, at least if you're making like really um, critical decisions, you ha- if you thought about, Hey, w- what's, what is my decision going to do to all of these things? How's it right. going to affect the customer? How's it going to affect the employee? Please. How's it going to affect our company reputation? How's it going to yeah. affect whatever it is, my reputation, my team's reputation, all those things you have to think about. And then just like put yourself in somebody that is like, the most critical person of you or your company, what, like, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's dealt with a customer that's just a straight jackass, right? Like, you hate dealing with them or something like that. Pretend you're that guy. What could that guy say about <laughs> yeah. your decision? Put
0: your mind in the in the head of a Karen. Yes. For sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's, like, a great way to say it, right? Yeah. Like, b- pretend you're one of them for a second, and they're just trying to pick you apart. Like, what is it that they could say, like, oh, you should have not done XYZ. this. You should have yeah. not done that. And if you could logically think, like, Okay, I could see them asking this, but this is my reasoning for doing this, mm-hmm. and it still makes sense logically, like you said.
0: Then, then you got to go for it. Yeah, you got to make, you got to just do what you have to do. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, and I think it's probably the most frustrating things is when people are afraid or they defer. That's my always favorite one. Well, what do you think? Well, this is what I think, but I didn't. That's not the whole point of me coming to you. My my point is like, hey, I need advice or I need, uh, I need a decision to be made. It's your decision. It's not my decision to make. It's your decision to make. And I've seen to where, like you said, where a manager, supervisor ends up calling eight people. Hey, what do I do? Hey, what do I do? Like, then what's the point of you being a supervisor, right? You need to learn how to make the decisions yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it can be more difficult, especially if you're new. But what I've learned is, you know, learn learn your company's values, learn what your, what your culture is about. Because sometimes even cultural shifts within different departments make decision-making difficult. I've been where I I was split between two different departments uh, or divisions. And the way I had made decisions was different in both those divisions because um, the manager, the, the um, project manager on one, wanted it one way. And then the project manager on the other uh, division wanted it a different way. Mm. So sometimes that can be very difficult is learning how, okay, well, Even though I'm using the same logic, I'm going to apply it differently in different scenarios because I know that this manager, um, he was really heavy about the details and making sure we consider everything. The other one's like, no, I need a decision fast. I don't care what it is. You know, it's it's just the leadership and management styles were different. So sometimes that that could even be a really good uh, tip is learning how to uh, understand your manager or understand the context of whatever you're dealing with. I mean, there are decisions in every aspect. We we could talk about thousands. We're dealing with a customer, dealing with internal customers, stakeholders, employees, policies and procedures, government regulations. I mean, there's there's tons and tons and tons of decisions that you may have to make. And sometimes the way you make decisions in different areas are are gonna be different. There's no one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But the biggest one I would definitely say is don't be afraid. You know, if you're afraid, that just shows that you're you're not confident, confident. Or, you know, you have enough experience to where you feel like, hey, if I make a mistake, I'll be safe. Or sometimes it could be just that. I've seen cultures where if you make a bad That's decision, true. you're gone. Yep. You know, oh, you made a bad decision. All right. You're on your butt. And you're like, well, I mean, I mean, oh, it depends on the severity of the decision. But I've seen some people get kicked out of jobs for very, very minor, minor um, um, decision decision making mistakes.
1: Yeah. Honestly, it's if you're going to be in any type of leadership role, I think that's really what's one of the things that separates leadership from like non-leadership, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Leaders versus followers, I guess you would say.
1: Oh, yeah. It sounds so weird to say followers, though. Just, yeah. Like, to me, it sounds kind of weird. Anyways, <clears throat> is that you got to be able to make decisions like um, and then I think I got I've gotten to a point now where it's just like things before that I used to be scared to do. Now I'm just like it is. It's nothing. Like, Once you get to it, yeah. now I have people from like other departments. Like they'll bring me uh, issues because they can't make a decision for some reason. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they'll
1: bring me something, and I just be like, yep, just do this. Yeah, like it's like nothing to me. And and they're like, but what if what if, what if this happens? I'm like, yeah, well if that happens, then we'll deal with it. Right? Yeah, who cares? Just deal with it. Yeah, it's That's not it's nothing like it's gonna work. like impact the company in such a big way. It's better to do that. I mean, it depends on the situation. But of like, course. I'm talking about like in some, the, in some of these situations, it's better to make the decision and then potentially deal with repercussions than to sit there on your butt and do
0: nothing. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's, wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh man, that's even sometimes the problem even gets worse. I've seen it to where if you you get those people who to take forever and they want to sit there and weigh all the options and, OK, let's do this and do that. Oh, and then all of a sudden, you know, that critical decision, that time has passed and now we're behind the ball. So I mean, obviously, the context we can't yeah. we can't sit there and talk about yeah, every scenario. We're saying scenario. decisions
1: like it's a thing, but honestly, like like you said, we're whether no matter what you're doing, you're making thousands of
0: decisions every day. Yeah, like you're I mean, making minute decisions, big, big decisions. decisions. It's just understanding when that decision comes in. Who are the stakeholders? You know who who is it going to impact? How's it going to impact the company? What's the you know the perception? And then just think about all the negative things that can come in. Um, one of the biggest things that I've seen especially when you remember i have a background in ems one of the biggest decisions i've seen or not the decisions i've seen but the the difficulty people have in making decisions is emotions yeah when emotions run high and people are emotional on whatever topic subject that you're in it can be very hindering a lot of people sometimes eject too much emotion into the decision oh well but it's gonna do this sometimes you kind of have to step step away from it you're like okay cool but at the end of the day the decision needs to get made whether it's good or bad you know, like if it's a decision to get rid of an employee, you know, we call it MIMO manage in, manage out. If you have to manage out that employee, so be it. It's it's a tough decision. It's not fun, but at the end of the day, you have to do you have to do your job. You have to be able to show that you're you're a decision maker. Remember, we're talking about the mid level management, and the idea is that we're gonna give you the tools to move up into you know upper management, where your actual title is like I'm a manager over a division, over an entire company. Sometimes you're going to have to make those decisions like, okay, well, I have an employee who's, um, not meeting grade, right? We brought him in, we talked to them and we're talking a lot about more of this in the actual management section, but you know, you, you do the management in management out. You try to manage them. You try to help them. You give them on a, um, a, a PIP, a, a process improvement plan, Mm -hmm. um, performance perform, performance improvement plan thank you i'm like no that's not right process i mean that's probably a thing but (laughs) performance process (laughs) um performance improvement plan you you do whatever you can you sit on -on one-on-ones with them you you help them do whatever you need can but whatever for whatever reason you can't manage them anymore and it's becoming a hindrance to both your your production your safety whatever it is and you're like okay we'll not have to manage them out Right now you have to make the decision and they're like, no, please don't. I have a family and I just had a kid. God, it, it happens. I've, I've had to, and I, I'm gonna use the word terminate. Cause that's the the way the, it's like everything else. You know, you don't want to use a soft word. Sometimes you have to say die. Sometimes you have to say terminate. Hey, we are terminating our relationship, right? It sucks. You don't have, to, you don't want to do it. But I always tell, tell people, I don't put it on myself, right? I'm not giving myself the guilt that I did this. I did everything I could to help them out. Now, if I just went and fired them, then it's on me. Well, he just fired me and he's going to tell that to everybody. But I'm like, no, we put him through a process, a performance improvement plan. I sat with them. I did this, this, this. I did all these things and he showed no improvement or she. This is why they were terminated. And then people are like, oh, well, yeah, he was just he was just a mess up then. Yeah, I did everything I could to help him. Thrive and do well. I give him all the tools. I made sure there was no barriers for him to do well. But at the end of the day, that can be an emotional decision that some people won't make. Oh well, he just had a kid. And I feel bad. I do too. But you know, that kid is gonna have that guy as a dad forever. And if he's a mess up, he's a mess up. That's I can't. I can't worry about every single person. So sometimes even emotions they they will play a huge part in decision makings, and people don't want to make those tough decisions well and especially you know well right now it's probably not not that as prevalent but you know in the economy right right now we have a good economy everybody's everybody's actually getting hired there's so many people hiring right now it's crazy so if you're getting having trouble getting in safety you know get in now um
1: if you're having trouble check your resume yeah (laughs) right yeah
0: you might check your resume um but when the times turn to a, a bearish market right and we're, we have to do layoffs. Sometimes it it is a hard decision. It you have to make those tough decisions, and sometimes you have to just pull your emotion out of it. Man, Matt, you and I we had a, a long history together, and you know we've worked together for many years, and you know whatever you me and our, our kids play softball together, whatever. But at the end of the day, if I have to cut you, it's a business decision. I can't sit there and be like Matt, I'm cutting you because I I can't cut you because you're my best friend. I'm gonna cut this other person who's more highly qualified, has better tenure, is producing better, and has more skills or whatever. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do that. At the end of the day, you can be held, held, you know, accountable for that. They can, you know, do an ethics violation. Well, how come Matt got to keep his job? Oh, well, he's best friends. Oh, that's favoritism, mm-hmm. and this whole long train that we're not gonna get into. But sometimes you have to make those decisions. Sometimes you have to give the tough feedback. That's another one that I've seen a lot of people struggling is they don't want to give that tough feedback. Man, Matt you were on it for a long time and now you kind of got lazy. Your, your growth has been very stagnant. People don't want to have those conversations. And those conversations not. are hard sometimes. They are, they, they are very hard, but I guess I, it's, I guess it's easy for me because when I worked on the ambulance, I learned how to pull my emotions out of everything. Yeah. You know, we say, it's not my emergency. Someone's dying and you're, just, you know, sometimes it's heartless or it's perceived as heartless, but that's how we cope with it because I can't sit there and I had a great, I had a great, um, Uh, I'm on TikTok a lot. I had one of those great posts where this lady comes in and, you know, they just, some poor person just died, right? They did, you know, 15, 20 minutes of CPR and they're, they're trying to get this person back and, you know, she kind of has to wash her hands of it and go and handle other patients. And it's hard, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to do, but you just learn how to pull yourself out of that situation. Like, okay, yeah, we, we worked real hard to get, try to get this person back and it didn't work and now they're dead. And now their families and they're grieving all this other stuff. And you're like, okay, well, now I got to go do other things because other people need you, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it's learning how to pull the, that emotion out. Like I said, for me, it's easy. Cause you know, I did an EMS for a lot. We'd go in oh damn, they're dead. I'm like, you know, I can't cry over spilt milk. I got go to go into the next, <laughs> next call. Cause if I, you know, not to be mean, but if you know, that kid that died, you know, if it affected me at that time, I'd be out of service, you know, and I still have, you know, another 48 hours on my shift. There's cardiac arrest. There's other people out there that are going to need me, and if I'm not there in my in that headspace, then guess what's going to happen? People are going to suffer. So um, it sucks, but pulling your emotions out of situations is a very difficult task to do. But it's one that I think I think needs a. You have to learn how to be empathetic at sometimes. Yeah, and then you have to be heartless at sometimes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the word heartless because at the end of the day, if it's beneficial for them, that's what they need. Mm-hmm. right being that heartless manager like hey look i'm gonna be square with you i'm gonna tell you straight up look you're messing up and i need you to do better right and they may take it really heavy oh man oh my job i'm like no you're not worried about your job yet but i want to let you know that we've noticed that there's been a change in you and that you're not meeting expectations and you know your numbers are low whatever whatever it is that's going on you know i'm always going to ask hey is there something going on yeah i just don't feel fulfilled whatever let's work on it let's get you back on track to being the top performer that you can be versus like hey i i don't want to get rid of you because i have to you know what i mean so being empathetic sometimes and then being heartless you have to be able to switch switch those gears you know what i mean no yeah kind of i don't know if i completely agree
1: but kind of i i feel like i used to feel it's the a fine s- line yeah i used to feel the same way and I've, I've even said that before to like some of my mentors is like Kind of how you explained it right now is that sometimes when you have to make the tough decisions, it's just business is business and you can't worry about emotions, which is true. Yes. But I've had some of my my mentors have told me like, yeah, business is business, but never, uh, what was it? Never lose, like, like kind of like you said, like never lose your empathy for people. Like, yes. Even though you have to make tough decisions, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like it seems heartless. It right. seems
0: heartless, but you got yes. At you the end of the day, you ha- still
1: want to give it to them in a a humanistic exactly. way. Yeah, and then uh, like always, just remember that the decisions you are making do affect their life. Yes, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't make those tough decisions sometimes. So I used to I used to be the exact same way. because that's one thing is like. I'm pretty good at doing the same thing as pulling my emotions out of stuff and I'm and I'm really level-headed when especially when like stuff is going wrong. Yeah. I'm I'm always
0: You're level. flat,
1: yeah. I'm never like spiking in oh emotions Oh my god, like everything's people, going wrong. Which is why a lot of people will come and ask me to make decisions because they see me calm on the outside at least. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they expect like, "Oh, he should be able to make decisions." But um what was I saying? Now I got thrown off. You're talking about how how you can make a decision you know a business decision oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also be able to make it empathetically yeah so that's i just the way you explained it is the way i used to always explain it too until i had some mentors that were like hey like i get what you're saying yes but never lose the empathy like, don't lose your personal touch
0: in. because at the end of the day they are they are people mm-hmm. right and that's that's what i'm saying it's kind of a hard line learning how to how to we like I always like thread the needle mm-hmm. you know i want to be able to give this decision right saying hey this is business But also never just make it like, okay, well, the reason why is because you're a number. You never want your employees or whoever the the stakeholder is, whoever it's impacting to feel like they're just a number. I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to things like um, layoffs, I I break the rules on that because you're not supposed to say anything until like the last minute. But I always tell people, look, we're having I always let people know, hey, we're going to be having layoffs here soon, Um, you know. I kinda of give like a hint, like, hey, you might want to start working on your resume. And then you start having a bunch of injuries. No. No, most people what ended up happening is that, well, because most of the time they know about it. They're like, oh yeah, like yeah. what's going on? We don't have as much work. Yeah, you might want to start working on your resume. Like will give you a perfect example. When I was first a supervisor, um, we had lost a lot of work. All the employees knew about it. Like we were going out to work, you know, on these projects for months and months and months and months. And all of a sudden it was like, okay, we were not going on projects, you know, three days out of the week and maybe two days out of the week. And you know, the employees were trying to ask, well, where, do we have work? Do we have work? And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, we're, we're we're trying to get some work. We're trying to get some work. We're just trying to be honest, not like trying to, you know, paint a, a doom and gloom picture. But there, I remember there was a point where management had came, pulled us in and they said, hey, look, uh, we lost all of our accounts and we only have this one account and they're only supplying maybe two days worth of work. And we have, I think I had like five or six guys underneath me mm-hmm. and they're like okay we're going to be cutting everybody it's just going to be the supervisors only and i was like okay so i, I let them suddenly know that i'm like hey guys what i'm just giving you the heads up you guys have a couple of weeks what do you mean a couple of weeks to find a job what do you mean just start looking because you're not going to be here much longer like i'm 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 barely i'm barely making it you know just kind of give them that hint. and one of the is we all end up end up switching to another company anyway because that company had more work but the decision had to be made where they were gonna cut people. It's just a numbers game. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. if you're not making enough money, I, I can't I can't sit there and, and hold people on payroll for so long. You know, that's it's detrimental to everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. I've seen it where even like a manager would sit there and it was a, an emotional decision to cut ties with with one of the branches and it ended up costing them millions of dollars because that that branch wasn't making any money- enough money to supply the staff, so if you had let's say thirty people in that in that um let's say office mm-hmm. thirty people in that office and you're looking at the numbers and you're like, man, we're hemorrhaging you know thirty thousand dollars a month on this versus you know having to struggle to break down the branch, and maybe move people over to a different different office building, that can have huge ramifications and because they didn't make it because it was an emotional but they're good people and I get that, and I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, you're gonna hurt thirty people, you know. Versus, well, maybe say, let's say, you're gonna hurt eighty people versus the 50, the thirty. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that old ethical question, you know. You have the little railroad, and there's two people on the tracks, and there's one other person that's on the track. You know, how do you how do you decide what's yeah. what's best? You know, and we can get into a whole ethics thing, but we're not going to. <laughs> but pulling your emotion out of things sometimes is very important, but being, being able to make it empathetically is also important to paint the picture that, Hey, yeah, I'm sorry. You had to be the one that get cut. Right. But it's what's best for the whole entire team. Like I always told people. And I think, I know, I know you're going to love this. This analogy is whenever you play like battle Royale, right. War zone or somebody else. And you have a guy die in, in the gas, right. He's deep in the gas. He's come get me, man. Come get me. Going to rush and pick up that guy is more dangerous for you and the rest of your team rather than just letting him die. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And it's not like, hey, I'm I'm doing this because I don't like you and all this. Stuff. I'm like, look, man, I'm not gonna sacrifice three people for the good of one. Right? I'm gonna risk a lot to save a lot. I'm not gonna risk a lot to save little. That makes sense. That's that what, that's what we use in the fire: risk a lot to save a lot, risk little to to, to win little. Yeah. <laughs> That was the saying? That, no, it's the saying, yeah. Risk, you, you would, we go into a fire <laughs> and you. risk our lives if somebody's in there, right? We're going to risk our lives to make sure that somebody lives, right? But if somebody, if we go in, we, we build a profile, right? As you grow up to the house or whatever the fire is, and someone goes, oh, my mom's in there. And you're like, okay, well, how long has this fire been going? For 30 minutes. Oh, they're dead, right? There's no way they're going to be alive. I'm not going to risk all my guys to go and retrieve a dead body. And it's, again, it not to be heartless, But again, it's what's the greater good. I'm not going to risk all, you know, the lives of three people for someone who's most likely dead versus like, hey, my mom's in there and the fire started maybe four or five minutes ago. There's a survivability profile. Okay, I'll risk my life to go save that person's life. I'm not going to risk my life to to stop a forest fire. It's not going to do it. Got to save the trees, though. Trees don't even do anything, bro.
1: All right. Anything else on decisions?
0: Yeah. Um. There's a couple other things here that I have. Um. One of my favorite things, and I know a lot of people maybe or or may not um like this, but I like playing devil's advocate. Oh yeah. One of the things a lot that's of people. Like one of my favorite things. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things. A lot of people don't like it, but that's. I think that's the thing that I've come across a lot. And It usually deals with playing devil's advocate is more of a like a customer thing. You know, they're like, somebody brings up to you, usually in another department, hey, we have to do this, but I don't want to, Now I don't like them. And and I always I always have to kind of step back and I'm like, okay, but how is it going to affect this person, right? Because again, I think it's like the opposite, right? Playing devil's advocate is is like the opposite of having emotions because usually the people that bring this to you are have some kind of a stake in it. Well, I don't want to do this because Matt's a jerk and I want to see him suffer. Okay, but how's that going to affect our customer? And they're like, ah uh, yeah i guess it's not going to do well because the customer is going to get affected negatively and, and usually that's the a lot of the mo- more emotional you know decisions that i get and that's sometimes i like to do that i like to play the devil's advocate like okay i see that you want to do this this and this but let me let me give you a different perspective let me again pull my pull step out you know step back get the bigger picture and try to figure out how's it going to affect this other person that's what i was saying earlier and
1: you summed it up kind of as being uh putting yourself like as it- Or what would you say making yourself a Karen or something like that? Yeah,
0: make yourself a Karen and try to identify, Okay, what's Karen going to say about this? Because, you know, they're they're going to find the stupidest, smallest little insignificant thing and complain about it. And depending on who your manager is, sometimes those complaints are way more than anything else. No, but for sure,
1: that's a that's a great thing. That's that's something that I do, too, is I find people that I know will do that for me. And so when I'm when I make a decision or I'm going to make a decision, I'm going to run and buy somebody. I go to somebody that is going to do that. So, like, I would go to somebody like you who's good at it. Yeah. Like, hey, here's what I'm doing in the hopes that you're just going to try to rip it apart. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I already thought about what you're going to say, like, as a response. Yeah. Because if I did, then, okay, I I'm, I probably made a well-thought-out decision for myself. Yes. Or I'm gonna be like, crap. I didn't even think this I didn't through at all. Oh. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And so I think, like, having those people, too, around you or somebody that you know you can, you can rely on to do that for you and not be scared and not... Not just be like th- I've seen some managers where they they'll go to people and th- those people are like, uh, they just want to make sure that that you like them, you know. So you'll bring a decision to them and they'll be like, "Great decision!" or like, "Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god, it's
0: greatest thing ever!" Or be like,
1: "Oh yeah, that makes so much sense" or whatever, without even really thinking. Because then they'll bring it to me and I'll be like, "What you did what?" <laughs> yeah this dude like did you even think about this and they be like yeah but
0: why didn't they tell me that i'm like i don't know Mm. probably because they think about it so what you're thinking about and and this is something that i have seen a lot in many of the workplaces that i've been in is what we call groupthink. Mm. you know have a backbone if you will right i I think that's what you were alluding to yeah kind of like that standing up having a backbone be okay with being, again, I think it kind of goes along the same lines. Be a devil's advocate. Have a spine. Have a backbone. Sometimes go against the grain because sometimes, and I'm saying sometimes, I've seen it in a lot of places where managers, supervisors, you, you get real clicky. If I'll use, that's the word that uh, maybe I'll, I'll choose is you get, you know, like the, the cool kids are here and you have the junks and then you have this group and that group. A lot of times when you get in those groups or the groups get together they have a a hive mind they think alike and it's not that they don't it's not that they don't have individual thought if they don't want to they don't want to you know go against the group if somebody's idea comes out everybody has the same idea and i i'm, I'm learning how to do this in meetings I'm, I'm still struggling with it i've you know i've had a couple of meetings in the recently that i'm learning how i'm trying to get different perspectives i want people to feel safe and I don't want everybody to have the same thing. You know what I'm talking about? You're in a meeting. 100%. And you go, okay, Joe, what do you think? I think um, we should do A, B, and C because the customer wants more production. And another person will say the same thing but slightly different. Yeah, I think production is probably the most important thing for the customer. And then the third person goes, yeah, um, I think we should do A, B, C because, you know, production is really important you know and it's just literally every single person in the group is saying the exact same thing and i'm like that does nothing for this entire group mm-hmm. if we all think the same then we're not going to have any differences we're not going to make any per- progress right and, I, I, and we can get into the whole diversity and all this other stuff but that's the biggest thing that i've seen i'm i i know i need to get better at combating is groupthink and how to i i'm good i am perfectly fine by myself getting out of groupthink when everybody thinks one thing, I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, that's dumb." Yeah, and this is why. And I mean, I'm not gonna be so upfront in your face about Sometimes, it, maybe. right? Maybe, <laughs> but I am really good at self-monitoring my groupthink. But learning how to pull other people out of groupthink—that's more difficult. And I think that's again, that's something I need to work on getting better at as a manager, is getting people out of groupthink. But groupthink is very detrimental because what ends up happening is, look, I'll say like this. We're in the manager's meeting and your name comes up. Oh, Hey, Matt's going to be moving up. Um, uh, he's put it in, in for the promotion as a supervisor, manager, whatever, whatever position. And you and I had a run in many, many years ago. And I just, I hate Matt. And I'm in that group think. I can sit there and i like, Oh Matt, really? I'm really surprised about that. And you know, if I'm, you know, a manipulative jerk, I can sit there and tell everybody, Oh, Matt does a terrible Planting job. Planting seeds. Yeah. Of doubt. Um, uh, man or i'm i'm your manager and i'm just being a jerk i'm like oh yeah Matt. man i've had a lot of trouble with matt man i've i'm always constantly having to tell him stuff all the other managers don't actually know they don't go down and investigate what's really going on all they're doing is hearing my word of mouth and i've seen that detrimental to Dude,
1: people's careers over and over i think of two really good one one we had i used to be in a, like a committee yeah and uh the committee was actually ran by one of our biggest customers Okay, and we would go to these committee meetings. I came in and I was uh, my uh, my old manager was in the committee before me, mm-hmm. and um and then I came in and like kind of took his spot or whatever. Yeah, but terrible. Like the customer says something and they go around the room. Everybody in their says the same just thing. Like, oh well, yeah, yep. That's I know what we exactly what you're talking about. Or maybe they'll add a little bit onto it, but it's always the same line, right? But what was kind of cool is there was like one or there's like two people in that group. My, my manager was one of them, and another one. And they didn't. They just did not care. They would be like, "No, this is why it's not going to work in front of the customer." Yeah. And but what ends up happening? What's crazy is, is it was a really good lesson for me because I noticed that over time, that customer would reach out to my manager and be like, "Hey, like we're about to make this decision. We'd really like your input because we understand that you're not scared. You're not. Yeah, tell you're not scared to tell us, to us what's tell the truth." Yeah. And some of these other people are just in here wanting to look good you yep. know and and i've seen the customer directly multiple people from the customer directly tell my manager that and and uh it's really easy to go with the status quo because you think it's what they want exactly but a lot of times that's not actually what they want it depends on the person but well, yeah it's not always what what they want so just be true to yourself in some of those situations and then i've seen other ones like
0: oh man when you were talking right now i brought back like exactly moments exact memories are <laughs> like dude i've had that happen to me or i've seen that doing it to somebody else and it's it's sad because I have been in places where, you know, like I said, I, I've been warned. And I think that that was one of the biggest things I've learned. Not learned recently, because that's not true. Um, I've I've been told recently is that, you know, never never follow that. Uh, I, when I, you come in and like, man, Matt, Matt's a jerk. He's a crappy manager. Why? Because of X, Y, Z. I've always been the person that they're like, oh, okay. I take that feedback. But I always like, let me see for myself. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot of times, almost a good, probably 80, 90% of the times that people have told me negative things about people that I find out it was just one little decision that they made that impacted them. They were really burnt about it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the funniest thing is that, again, that group mind, that hive think, where everybody's kind of thinking together on the same thing. One person just goes, oh, yeah, Matt's a jerk. And then everybody's <laughs> thinking that Matt's a jerk. Like, what, why is nobody sitting there thinking like, oh, I wonder why is Matt a jerk? That's weird. I look at his his profile. He does all his JSAs. He puts all his reports on time. I've read all of his uh, I've seen all of his PowerPoints. They're on point. Really good. W- why is Matt a jerk? I don't I don't see it. You know, I'm never, I never. Mean, I've never had a conversation. I'm just I'm just looking at I'm trying to do the 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 background investigation. Mm-hmm. And well, OK, was well, Matt really a jerk or or is this just maybe some bias that somebody has? Because I've seen it too many times where someone's like, yeah, that guy sucks. And then you come and find out. dude, like, This guy's super cool. His paperwork looks fine. This mm-hmm. looks fine. Everything else looks fine. Why, why don't you like him? Oh, well, he told me one time he gave me a bad review. Okay, well, was it? <laughs> hey, I've seen it. I've seen it where people do that kind of stuff or, and I'm, I'm going to do the shoutout for, for my ladies out there. I've known that women get, yeah, because I, I have seen it before where women are hit on by a manager supervisor and they are not interested. And then they start getting bad performance reviews, and I'm sorry, ladies. I know that it happens, and you know, I've I, at least within my business, I'm trying to make sure that never happens. I don't know about you, but it happens to me the opposite way too, you know. Yeah, you're, you start hitting on your super, your manager, and he and he's like, <laughs> "No, bro, I don't. Hey, it's Pride Month. It's cool." Uh, but it, it happens, man. It and I. I hate to say this because I know what the world that we live in and I've seen it before. And, you know, I try to be an advocate for the opposite. And I say, no, I'm, I'm here to help you guys stand up on your own and you should never feel that way at work. But I've seen it before where, where women, you know, yeah, I forgot what the, what the term is. They, you know, they tell you in sexualism, I mean, you brush off their, their advance, if you will, if you're using the proper terminology, you brush off their advance and all of a sudden now you're getting hammered on it oh, well, yeah, oh, so this person is not doing their job very well. And all, and all of a sudden, now your career growth is dead because you have a, let's say sexist manager, you have a manager who has it against you because of whatever stupid reason. Um, And it happens to men too. You know, you have a woman or a man or whatever it is, there's many different si- situations going on there. And yeah, sometimes it's just, you have to learn how to get out of that group thinking that's why, and, and not all companies do this, but I think that's why whenever you're having a promotion, Promotions should be outside of your outside of your um, department. It should be, OK, hey, we're going to bring Matt on as a supervisor. OK, so the the safety manager has a decision. The ops manager has a decision and then maybe two or three other stakeholders. So it's not just, OK, well, me and Matt are best friends and I'm going to promote him because he's the best. It's like, no, this is Matt has has shown the growth. This is his work. This all this other stuff so that other people are looking like, oh, yeah, Matt. Matt seems like a competent individual. I want him to move up.
1: Yeah. So at, at my last, one of my last companies, <clears throat> um, they used to do what you said. They would get so, a few supervisors together and they'd be like, Hey, who is our next person to bring into leadership? Yes. And, um, that's how they would make decisions kind of as like a little operations group. Yes. And then what happened is, uh, I started sitting in on some certain types of meetings and at, the, at in one of those meetings, they were like, I was in there and they're like, Hey, like, how do we, how do we figure this out? And then they started talking about a guy, right. About a guy to bring into leadership. Yep. And then afterwards I was like they were all just praising this guy how good he was, how good of a worker he was, he's always consistent, he always shows up to work, all these things, right? Mm-hmm. They want to bring they want to move him up into the next level. And then I was like, yeah, but what about the 3 incidents he had? What about getting caught by the customer? What about never doing his paperwork like he's supposed to what yeah. about taking all these the friendship card
0: instead of the hey it's I not even a friendship is that they're so
1: focused on their side of work like the operations piece they're not focusing on some of the other aspects like leadership and safety and all these yeah. other things and guess what happened after that which i don't think they liked is that now every time a decision for operations was going to be made they would usually bring me and that local safety guy like yep. that region safety guy what do you think into the room because now now my gm's like hey like I don't want to just make decisions based off of how good they do their work. That's important. But I also want to know how good are they at interacting with the
0: customer? What kind of leadership? And are this they is how what you make a great safety culture. People don't realize that. It makes it it makes it makes safer psychologically because now employees feel like, hey, if I'm doing good work, I'm going to get recognized. And like I said, I said the word "frank card because that's usually how it works. Hey, me and you have a good rapport, me and you are hanging out. But get like you said, that individual has a, a bad safety record. You, get, you know, I'm putting you in that in that scenario where you're the one moving up. If you have a bad safety record, or hey, you got custom, caught by the customer, you don't care about safety. Okay, now we have someone in leadership that doesn't care about safety. How is that going to impact our business? Now he's going to go out. Oh, safety? Who cares about that crap? Now our safety is going to go down. Why? Because we have somebody in leadership that doesn't care about safety, and our customer does. Guess what? now we're in trouble you should have seen
1: the like i guess you call it like shock within the workforce when we started oh no i could imagine when we started promoting people so we had like a lot of like the same type of of trade right like let's say welders we had a lot of really good welders and usually the most experienced or the like the more fast welders would be the guys that moved up not anymore now Mm -mm. they see one of the guys that's actually one of the slower welders he gets promoted and now these experienced older guys that, are, that are maybe quicker are mad and they don't understand what, what's going on. And then we have to explain to them, hey, we don't make decisions based on how fast you work. We make decisions based on a combined thing. How safe are you doing it? What kind of leadership are you doing? All those things I just yeah. talked about. And that's when you start seeing like, oh, okay. Because before you were actually driving shortcuts. But now, 100%? You're, now you're driving hundred percent. A lot
0: of times that's the mentality. If I work faster, I work harder, and I get more done, then I'm going to be promoted. And people get burnt, like like you said. And I think again, you have to make again that tough decision. I'm gonna promote this the, the junior guy versus the senior guy. Oh, yeah. The senior guy has more years of experience, has this, 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 and this, but he that's all he's good at. Let's just say the perfect example: welding. He's only good at welding. Right? He doesn't know how to lead, he doesn't know how to drive work, he doesn't know how to get production out, whatever, you know. This younger guy, yeah, he's only been you know welding for a year or two. He knows how to weld, and he knows how to, he do. He does weld really well. He fails less. He knows all the management techniques. He knows leadership. Whatever it is, he's the prime example. You're selecting the better people. You have to make that decision. Like, yeah, it's gonna make this guy mad, but as long as you go empathetically say, "Hey, look, the reason we made this decision was because he was a better fit. He has this, this, this. If you want to move up," You know, always give them that thing. If you want to move up, here's how you do it. And I think that's the, the, another, I guess, yeah. good thing is the clarity. Yep. Communication. Hey, we made a decision this way. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to choose you as well, but the problem is, is you lack in this area. Yep. And if you're a good manager, you, they would have already known that, you know, as long as you have clarity and you're telling them, Hey, look, you want to move up. You're having these conversations with your one-on- one-on- one on one-on-one with this welder at this point. These are the expectations, and you're not meeting them. Yes, mm-hmm. you're a great welder, and man, you, you kill it, but you take too many shortcuts. Or, hey, you've started too many fires, or you're not safe enough, or hey, you don't have any leadership techniques. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why we can't move you up. And then you explain to them, look, if I move you up, the problem is, is that you don't care about safety. You're going to be driving that same culture. You're going to be driving that culture of nobody caring about safety. We're going to have more incidents. We're going to have more incidents. We're going to lose work. We're going to lose work. People are going to have, have to
1: be laid off. That's what we ended up doing not too long after, is we made a list of these are the traits that you need to be working on yes. or have if you want to succeed in this company. Yes, and we listed them out, and guess what was like? I don't even think it was on there. I don't even think we put like uh like anything about production on there. It was like uh being able to create goals with your teammate or yep. with your uh, yep. like crewmates below you, being able to uh interact with the customer. Like, all these types of things, and it, none of it was like, oh, you got to be able to weld fast. Yeah, you have to get 30 inches in a day. Which is really cool. Like, th- that stuff's being driven from uh, management, and I think, like, that's how it needs to be, but uh, that's the right path. I, I,
0: and I'm going to say this because I'm really big on, you know, shaking, shaking the, the cage. I'm seeing that become more prevalent in more companies. Again, I'm going to sit here and say the mom pops and all this other stuff. I'm realizing it's a ge- both a generation and an educational thing. I'm not sure because I wasn't born back in the 20s. There wasn't a lot of business degrees back in the day, right? Most degrees were all skills and trades and, and professions, right? You're going to be a lawyer or a nurse or an electronic engineer. I mean, there was there business degrees out there. I'm sure there was. But I think people are getting more tactful and more educated in the business. world. that's what I'm going going to school for is getting my MBA and I'm learning to be more tactful and more um, intentful with my decisions. I'm learning that those those small little decisions, like you said, of making changes into how people are promoted has huge effects down the road, not as a company, but financially. Right. Like we just said, you know, you have a supervisor that he's killing it. Man, this guy gets more inches than any other person and he has less he has less failures. But the reason why is because he's making shortcuts because he's unsafe. He doesn't care. Now we put him in a leadership position. Guess what? Now his mentality is going to be the culture for that crew, Mm -hmm. if not even more. Right. If we put him into a management position, it's even worse. His culture in his division is going to be I don't care about safety. Just get the work done that's what got him moved up, so why wouldn't that get him moved up again? Exactly, it's, it's that mindset, hey, if this is what we're, we're gonna reward, it's just like it's, it's like having a child, right? If your child is gonna sit, I'm gonna say set fire to your house. Dang. If, if your child breaks a toy and you reward him or her for it, they're gonna start associating that behavior with that reward, right? Hey, I broke a toy and I got rewarded. So they're gonna take that behavior, right? Inside the house, it's not a problem, right? In the workplace, in his location, it's not a problem. But now you take that that behavior and now you put it into a school setting. Now it's going to have huge huge ramifications. Oh, your kid's breaking other kids' toys now. Oh, that's a problem? Yes, it's a problem. You you're, you shouldn't be breaking other people's stuff, right? And of course, it's just a kind of an analogy that just makes it more simplified. But again, I think the, the culture in a lot of businesses, when you're going through getting your degree, they make you about these types of things they make you go through ethics and they ask you you know how uh, i remember this one i had uh some some months back where it was an individual he worked for some bank and he he was he was that quintessential like i want to change the world kind of guy he came in he worked for a bank for many years the bank was doing things bad he goes no i'm, I'm going to change this i'm going to open my own bank and we're going to do good things well he ran into some problems he had ran into some ethical issues and then he ended up you know becoming the bad guy because of all the decisions he made in the opposite direction. So yeah, I think, I think making decisions is a very difficult thing to do. It takes time, but never be afraid to make a decision. If you need help, always ask for help. Don't be that person. Like Matt said, calling eight people. Hey, what do I do? Hey, what do I do? It's okay to ask for help, but don't be the one that's always asking for help. Always asking, especially for easy stuff. And don't just call. uh, This
1: is what I don't like. If a guy calls me, if one of my guys calls me, and literally has nothing just says i don't know what to do i mean that, that could potentially be it. but they just have a question they haven't even tried to think of an answer or tried to think of a solution yeah or like hey this is what i want to do and this is why i want to do it i'm good with that call yeah but if you're just saying hey this happened i need help what do, yeah what do i do like okay i mean like i feel like that sounds like you said earlier heartless <laughs> but like in most situations that shouldn't be the answer it Well, then no, be that's you what's know gonna happen what to me do.
0: is i'm gonna question your competency i'm like mm-hmm. okay I get that you're coming to me with a question, and I don't want to, like you said, don't want to be heartless, but I always put the question, how come you haven't, what what, what do you think? Call me to be devil's advocate. Don't call me to make the decision for you. Yes, yes. Ask for advice. Like, hey, you know, I have two competing values. I have production versus um, safety. No, maybe that's not a good one. Speed versus accuracy. That's a better one. Speed versus accuracy, Matt. Um, in this scenario, I'm not sure. This is what I'm thinking. I, I have a solution and it's going to help this. And I have B solution that's going to help this. Yeah. Which of the two should I choose? That is a perfect and, and logical um, way to bring it up to your super, supervisor superior. Um, I have two competing values. I'm not sure which one to choose. Right? Hey, do we choose more accuracy or do we choose, you know, better quality? Or production versus quality that's another good one too that gives me guess, as a manager i'm sure you'll you'll recognize this as well that gives me the idea that okay this person has has trouble figuring out which values which is very that difficult sometimes yeah. right it can be you know a, a, it could be either or sometimes you go with quality sometimes you go with accuracy depends on whatever you're dealing with those are good ones now I go hey matt um yeah i have a guy and he he had an injury should i take him to the doctor or should I just treat him first aid? And you're like, like and now I'm starting to question. I'm like, are you even competent at your job? I've I've had those a couple of times, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, hmm, like, I don't know. Should I keep this guy on my staff? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it. I think that if you have anything else to add as far as um as far as decision
1: making. I mean, not really. Besides, it's get used to it. Yeah. It's going to be a part of your job and your life forever, especially if you want to be a manager yeah. or a director or in the C-suite, VP. VP, it doesn't matter, especially the higher you go, the more impact your decisions are going to yeah. have. So you just got to get used to doing the stuff we talked about today, devil's advocate, thinking out logically, removing emotion and uh, not being afraid to to make decisions.
0: Yeah. have a, Have a spine and stand up. Yeah. Go against the grain. Uh, What do we got in our mailbag today? I had a guy uh, reach out to us on Reddit. He was asking like, hey, what kind of, uh," uh, he was excited. He learned about all the different stuff that we've been doing. Um, He's listened to the podcast and all this other stuff. Man, that was a really dead, that was a dead air (laughs) moment right there. Sorry. Um, I was just reading it real quick. He he enjoyed the content. He was looking at um, some of the things that we have coming up, and he wanted us to introduce SMS, safety management systems. So um, we are going to be talking about that here in the mid-level management, like learning the different techniques. And I think I'm not exactly sure um, how we'll do this. I'm thinking maybe we'll do like an overview, and then maybe we'll break down each one individually and why we like and why we don't. I think maybe That's that can – I mean, it could be like four or five episodes on, on safety management systems. I feel like something like that would be more – would need more content because if we just kind of gloss over, it, it's not like a well, I'm really learned a lot. It's more like you know, it's only most of these episodes are only about an hour, or so
1: or maybe we just break down some of the big ones, like some of the because what like you said in the last episode or a couple episodes ago is one of the things is a lot of people create their own SM. Well, yeah, it's like system, a hybrid, yeah, uh, like where they combine and then you have some that have to follow certain ones. So well, we'll yeah, it just it. depends
0: on what industry. Like I said, I want to mm-hmm. be able to like break it down to, to like something like that where it's multiple episodes, not just. Oh yeah, this is what I like. Kind of like how we did with the, you know, CHST and the ASP and all that stuff. You know, kind of, we just kind of gave an overview. This is more like an in-depth, like, trying to think if I know any experts
1: in like ISO or the um, ANSI, any of the big ones.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, um, well, that gives us time to go and and find those people out. But yeah, uh, thank you for reaching out. Um, So giving us content, you know, um, suggestions is always good. We like that. Uh, What about you? I know you had something on Facebook, right? Oh yeah, maybe we
1: could talk about it real quick. Yeah. Um so there's there's uh we've been talking about this forever, right? Getting your foot in the door. Yep. It's the reason we got so many of those requests and emails and questions. It's the reason that we created that whole first season, which was made for the first person, right? That with yeah. I mean, the entry level. So this person, right? They're um they have a master's degree in safety, mm-hmm. but they don't have a background in safety. They have the, a background in a different industry, which we've already given tips on that. In yeah. the past, so yeah. that's yeah. different. Um uh, but They're trying to find a job, right? And they're having trouble. They've been looking for a while and they're pretty irritated because they have a master's in safety and they're not able to get into a mid or into a higher level, like a management level uh, role without experience because they're saying that everybody wants them to have at least five years experience to get into the mid or higher level. And they're like, but I have a master's degree and I have experience in a different industry that's non-safety related. And so they're just kind of, burnt you know oh yeah so I wanted to bring to you like what do you think is you think that's fair for the the uh, employer to be saying hey we're not going to hire you without into a this level role without five to ten years experience even though you have a master's degree
0: well see here's, and I I sympathize with that because I've seen it I mean I have my master's and there's a time where I was frustrated as well like why how come I have haven't made that that change and it could be it could be economics, it could be a lot of a lot of different things. I think, you know, I, I was talking to Matt about this already. We need to go back and, and pull out a little bit more information from this individual. But it seems like the biggest thing is that they're not supervisor, they're gonna be entry level. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I agree with that, and this is my my take on it, is is looking at my own, my own weaknesses. I will tell people I've worked in many industries. One of the ones I've never worked in is in aerospace, right? I've never worked in aerospace, even though I have a master's, even though I have plenty of education and degrees and stuff like that and sort of uh, certifications and and knowledge and experience in what I'm good at. If I go into a field that I have very little knowledge and ability in, it's hard for me to lead because I don't know enough about that industry. So for me to go into aerospace, would I be upset and and frustrated that I wasn't like a supervisor or manager? I, I probably would be. But I also have to remember in my own context, I have to uh, again step out of my, out of my normal role. and like, OK, but why am I not getting this? Well, I see their point is that how am I going to lead a bunch of individuals if I don't know what the work is? Right. Aerospace, roads, construction, general industry, manufacturing, whatever it is that your weaknesses are. It's hard to get people to understand and follow you as a supervisor or leader. If you don't have experience in that field. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. It depends on the situation. If you don't have a job, go for it. Who cares? You have a job, right? At the end of the day, you're not on unemployment and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a job and you're trying to transition, is that the field you want to be into? Like for me, if I wanted to get into aerospace and I'm like, okay, well, I'm making, you know, $60,000 a year. And now I have to take a pay cut to, you know, let's say 40 or 50. Depending on the scenario, right? If I could afford that financially, would that be something I need to do? Is It worth it for you in the long run because now you're going to be happier in the
1: field. Yeah. Let's just say,
0: for example, um, the job I work in now and I say, oh, hey, there's an opportunity at SpaceX. But, you know, I talk with the manager. We do an interview. They're like, okay, well, we don't feel comfortable doing you as a supervisor, but we'll put you as an entry level at, you know, 40 a year. And if I could financially take that hit or even if I sacrifice a little bit and I see, okay, but if I put in three or four years, I'm, I have a clear chain of moving up. They're going to develop me, whatever, whatever I see within that company, sometimes you have to sacrifice. And I've done that before where I've sacrificed the short term for the long-term goal. And, and yes, and I, it's a very tough thing. I'm going to say this. You have to learn how to be humble. Your master's degree, again, Matt, it is just a piece of paper. Sometimes it is. All right. It is. So you have to, you have to think like that. When you go down and you're talking with your, your field level employees, they don't care. They do not care. In fact, no one gives you two craps bit. that you have a master's. <laughs> no one gives two craps that you have a doctor. Yes, in your C-suite level, having a master's is is typical right most people it, now you're like more like ever average you're, you're amongst your peers <laughs> yeah. yeah you're you it's almost expected you like mm. you'd be more rare if you got in without one you're like oh wow you, well, that's crazy a lot of people don't care that you have masters and i'm not saying that you didn't have a lot of work and a lot of you know stuff in there and i'm not by any means you, you i have one trust me i'm getting a second one i truly believe in the value of education but when it comes to certain things, you have to understand, you have to put that to the side. Don't let that be your identity. Don't like, oh, I have a master's. Yeah, I'm better than you. That's, that's not that's what the masters are for. Mas- Remember, you're getting into safety to help people. Sometimes, yeah, you're going to take a kick in the butt. We've had to sacrifice. I've had to sacrifice a lot to get to where that I'm at now. I've had to get to the point where, you know, I sacrificed not to be mean, but my family. You know, I was gone. I was uh, doing consulting. I was away from home for weeks at a time just to make sure ends, ends were met, right? That's the sacrifice I took. Especially if you're getting entry level, I say do the sacrifice. That sacrifice pays off in the end. Matt is a great example. I'm exa- a great example. I'm sure I can pull up at least another 50, 60 people, of people that sacrificed in the beginning to get their foot in the door just to be able to, to make that down the road. And I think it also humbles you up a little bit. You know, people are like, oh yeah, I got a master's, but then you're at the bottom, right? Like, mm. like I remember when I was like at the bottom I remember what it was like going out to these jobs and people didn't give two craps of who you were. Like, oh, you're the safe. Oh, you're the flavor. I call it flavor of the month. You're the flavor of the month. Yeah, I'm just here on this project. I'll be here for, you know, six weeks, uh, six months, and then I'll be gone. And I'll go to the next job. And I'll go to the next job. I'll go to the next job. And it sucked. Being away from the family for a long time, you know, struggling financially. But now I look back, again, with all of education and, and, and knowledge that I have now and wisdom, and I can say, okay, I'm glad I did that. I built that foundation because now whenever things hit, I'm like, that's easy. And I'm like, how are, you, how are you so confident over all these situations? Oh, back eight, eight nine years ago, I had a scenario where X, Y, Z happened and I learned this lesson, right? Sometimes you have to take that hit and sometimes you take that humility with you and be like, okay, you know what? I will take the hit. I will sacrifice because in the long run, the sh- you're sacrificing the short-term goal for the long-term goal. At the end of the day, you don't want to you're not going to be a supervisor or a, a, a entry level technician for forever. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that experience. You're going to get that knowledge. You're going to put your your time in. And then guess what? You can go and leverage that to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Let's just say let's just say I go to work for you, Matt. Right. I'm working for Matt and Matt goes, yeah, Joe. Yeah, you're super smart. Yeah, you got education, hmm. but you lack knowledge in this field. OK, cool. I'm gonna go in as an entry level. That depends on your situation, right? Yeah. If it's financially okay for you and and it and it works for uh, works towards your goals, great. I'm gonna sacrifice. Let's say Matt goes. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, you have a masters, but man, we don't have any places for supervision. Okay. Well, now I got experience, right? Now I can take that, go somewhere else. Yep. That's at the end of the day, guys. Always look at your long term goals. Where do you want to be? I don't, at least for me. The way I manage people is I don't manage people like they're going to be uh, entry level all their life. They want to move up. They want to be managers eventually, right? Most people do. That's how I manage people. Eventually, you're going to become a manager. Cool. I'm going to manage you there that way. It may not be here, maybe somewhere else. As long as you're building towards that goal, I tell them that's where you want to be. Cool. Let me help you get there. It won't be here at this company. Because there's just no gro- room for growth. That's just how this company is built right now. Mm-hmm. The economy, whatever it is that, that's going on within your company, right? It may be small and there's nowhere else to go. You can't be the manager. I'm the manager. Unless I go somewhere, then you can go. But at this point, you have no growth. Learn about your skills. Get your experience. Get as much as you can there. And when you top off, cool. Leverage somewhere else. Yep. So, yeah. That would be my my advice is, you know, just... Sometimes you might have to sacrifice the short term for the long term. It's it's a good way to think about things. Definitely. You build a, a solid foundation in safety and, and trust me, it'll pay dividends. It will pay dividends down the road. You'll be like, damn, I remember when I was making. Well, I think now it's what well here in California, it's like 14, 15 bucks an hour. I remember I was I was, I was telling, actually one of my old coworkers. I was made 8, 825 on, on a, in an ambulance and still to, this, still to this day, I use everything I learned on my ambulance, everything ABCD. Cam, um OPQRST, all that stuff, I learned I still use it today. And I'm grateful that I sacrificed that, the sleep and my health and my sanity for that. Because now I, I have a set of skills that will go with me for the rest of my life. And I could teach other people and make them useful in the in the safety field. I've done that plenty of time as taught people. Maybe we should talk about that um one of these episodes, how to do like incident injury management and stuff like that. So yeah, thanks, thanks guys for reaching out. That's a great question. Great question. All right. Well, that's all I got for today. Yeah, you guys have yourself a wonderful day. Bye. Thanks, guys.